The following audio is from Deering Christian Church. Join us Sunday mornings at 10.15 or check us out at DeeringChristian.org. When did you enjoy your last feast? All right, now I'm not talking about just a meal. I'm talking about a feast. How many would you say that, that uh, maybe, maybe Easter you had a big get-together and had a feast? You got, got a few of you? What about Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving? Yeah, yeah. A feast is defined by you feel horrible after you're done eating, okay? That's how you define feast. Um, what, about, what about a cruise? If, you, if you've never been on a cruise before, let me tell you something about a cruise. Um, you get fat, okay? Because they just feed you and feed you, and feed you, and feed you. And there's only so many places you can walk when you're in a boat out in the middle of the ocean, all right? Um, they just, it's just the whole thing is a feast. My father-in-law diets before he goes on a cruise just so he can not feel guilty about how much weight he gained when he's gotten back, okay? That tells you anything about a cruise. What about this one, Golden Corral? Uh, how can you go to Golden Corral without feasting, okay? All right, um, we place an incredible amount of priority in our culture, and it's not just our culture, but we place a lot of a big priority on food. We even plan our schedules according to food. I mean, isn't that funny how that works? I, I don't know about you, but when we go on, on vacation, whether it's going to some, uh, a condo on the beach or getting into Puff, you know, our magic, it's not a magic dragon, it's our magic motorhome, and going out to Colorado, um, we, that, like all of the, the moms, the wives get together and they start planning out the meals. It's okay, what are we going to, what do I need to bring, what are you going to bring? You know, it's, it, it's, it's funny. Food. Hold that thought for just a moment. Right. We, have, we dove into, and I appreciate so much, JB opening this sermon series for us last week, Ordinary Saints. And he, he, man, I'll tell you, if you did not get to hear the sermon last week, go to our podcast, go to our website, or download podcast on your phone, and then go to Daring Christian Church and listen to it, all right? Because it was powerful. And, and the, the gist of it is this, our God puts a high priority on our obedience. And that is, if you're not going to listen to it, that is the gist of what JB had to say last week as he opened this up for us. And what we're going to be looking at for the next 11 weeks, including this week now, is spiritual disciplines, the aspects of our life that will help us grow up in Christ. And we've got to understand something. When it comes to spiritual disciplines, all right, when we, we, we want to apply discipline to punishment, that's not it. Discipline is training. All right? And that's what we need to keep very, very firmly in our minds. When we talk about these things, it has to do with training. It has nothing to do with earning our salvation. That debt was paid by Christ. It would be like, if maybe this will explain it a little bit. Uh, there's, there's probably some of you in this room at some point in time, or maybe right now, you, you went to the gym or you're going to the gym right now. Okay, there was a time in my life when I actually did that, and then I matured, okay, uh, and, and I, I stopped doing that. So, uh, but, but as, as, as I did that, I never, I can tell you this, I wanted to go to the gym because I wanted to get stronger. I want to look good, yeah, you know, you know how it works, okay? Um, and then you get married and you stop going to the gym. I'm just not sure how, I'm sorry, hon, I'm so sorry. Okay, um, 
But I never went to the gym for the purpose of moving buildings with my bare hands. Have you, have you ever talked to somebody going to the gym? Yeah, I started going to the gym. Why are you going? Oh, I want to pick up the barn and move it to the back pasture next week. I figure I've got to get a little strong to get that done. You mean take it apart? No, pick it up and move it to the back pasture. Okay? Not happening. You don't turn into Superman at the gym. Some people think they do. They don't. Right? And that is that whole spiritual discipline thing. You can train. You can get stronger spiritually. You're never going to get strong enough spiritually to move the barn. Okay? That's what Jesus is for. He gets us to heaven. So when it comes to spiritual discipline, it's about us trying to look more like Jesus, not take his place. Spiritual discipline is about personal growth. And today... We're going to talk about fasting. Now, um, our young daughter, she's a brand new fourth grader, um, so she's in here now um, with the adults, and she, she was looking at the little questionnaire, and she said to me, what is fasting? I was like, wait, and I will tell you what fast, because it's one of the questions right there, so here you go, all right? Fasting. This is, by the way, this is not a... Um, Merriman's Dictionary, okay, fasting. This is the definition according to a guy who spent a lot of time with spiritual disciplines and writing about them, a guy by the name of Richard Foster. And this is how he defines fasting. The voluntary denial of an otherwise normal function for the sake of intense spiritual activity. You got that? We'll leave it up there for just a second, okay, Tim? It'll just be a while before I move on to anything else up there. Okay, that is fasting. And fasting, guys, does occur in the Bible. When it comes to the Bible, these are a number of the people in the Bible who fasted. Moses, Hannah, David, Elijah, Ezra, Nehemiah. Now, one thing to keep in mind, there's a lot of people in the Old Testament that fasted that we never heard anything about it either. The entire nation of Israel fasted regularly. The Jews fasted regularly. Okay, so keep that in mind. Nehemiah, Esther, Daniel, the people of Nineveh, entire nation, not Israel, Israeli people, by the way, the enemies of Israel, fasted. And not only they fasted, you know what else fasted? Their cows. I'm sure the cows loved that. Why aren't you feeding me? It's because you're fasting. Okay. All right. Jesus fasted. Paul fasted. The church in Antioch fasted. These are reasons for fasting, from big decisions to big jobs to big tragedy or potential tragedy. Those are some of the reasons we see in the Bible of why fasting takes place. Now here, hopefully you've got that up there, so I'm going to put some more up here for you, all right? Richard Foster has this to say, uh, this practical information about fasting. First of all, whatever in our lives is producing an addiction is a prime area for fasting, and guys, fasting can span much further than the realm of food. Okay, we'll get into that here in just a second. Reasons for fasting. Got four of them for you. Here you go. This is straight from Richard Foster. That's what he says. We fast, number one, we fast because it reveals things that control us. You got that? We fast. Tim's going to pop it up there here in just a second. Number one. We fast because it reveals things that control us. Number two, we fast because it helps give us balance in life. 
Number three, we fast because there is an urgent need. We'll talk a little bit about that today. And number four, it's probably the most important one. We fast because God calls on us to do it. Got a question for you. You are obviously at church today, so I'm not going to ask you if you're at church today. That would be a little redundant. But I will ask you this. How many of you drove in a vehicle or rode in a vehicle to church today? Okay. How many of you walked? Nobody. Okay. How many of you walked from a long ways away to church? Okay. How many of you, if you walked to church on a Sunday morning, would have to get up really, really early in order to make it on time and then take a shower once you got here back there before you came out? Okay? All right? If you walked, would you walk right past your car to walk to church? And you're like, what does this mean? What does this mean to do with anything, preacher? My question is, why did you not walk? Why did you hop in that car and drive? Why did you hop in that car and ride? How come you didn't walk? Could have you walked? Is there anybody here who couldn't have walked? There might be a few. Maybe physically it wouldn't have worked that well. But for some of you, yeah, I could have walked. Why didn't you? Why didn't you fast from your car this morning? You see, it's interesting The notion of fasting is something that's very puzzling to people in our world, and sometimes even within the church. Because of this, the notion of voluntarily depriving myself of anything that is readily available feels ridiculous. Let me me read that. That's not from Richard Foster. That's from his son, Nathan Foster. This is what he says. The notion of voluntarily depriving myself of anything that is readily available feels ridiculous. You see, you can fast from a lot of things that has nothing to do with food. What about media? What is, is it time to fast from everything we take in through our phones, our computers, our iPads, our televisions? That, if you choose for a week, say, we're not doing it. That would be a fast. What about a work fast? Where it's like, hallelujah, I'm on board with that one. We call it vacation, okay? All right. How about a football fast? Okay, it's easy. It's not football season, and I'm a KU football fan, so I fast every year from football, okay? All right. What about golf? What about fishing? What about hunting? What about a phone fast? How many of you, by show of hands, would love to fast from your phone this week? Got a few of you? All right, all right. What about a mowing fast? I could handle that one. A dishwashing fast? Oh, yeah. Once again, listen closely. A fast is this, the voluntary denial of an otherwise normal function for the sake of intense spiritual activity. So if I am fasting from something, that means there's an activity I am not doing. So what am I going to replace that activity with? And that has everything to do with the purpose and the success of a fast. You don't have to turn here, but in Luke chapter 4, it's also found in Matthew as well, we see Jesus fasting. Now his fast lasted 40 days. 
right? Some people don't they say, oh, that right there says that you can't, this Jesus guy, is, the, the, accurate, the, the information about him is not accurate because nobody can do that. Yes, they can. People have, matter of fact, I met a woman years ago who fasted for 40 days. She was a doctor. It's very possible. And Jesus fasted for 40 days. Luke 4 tells us that Jesus had a couple of companions on that fast. One was the Holy Spirit. The other was Satan. Now, Satan was not a welcomed guest, I don't think, on that fast, but he was along for the ride. Jesus fasted before his public ministry was about to begin. In other words, for three years, Jesus would walk among people in a public way. Up to 30 years, he'd lived a pretty private life. When he hit that 30th year, things would change. And the end of that time period of three years would bring about his death on a cross, his resurrection, and his ascension back home into heaven. So... I think that Jesus had a pretty large responsibility laying on his shoulders as he began this ministry. So he, before he began that ministry, he fasted for 40 days. The fate of the world rested on his shoulders, okay? And the main primary companion in that fast was the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact... Scripture tells us it was the Holy Spirit who led Jesus into the wilderness to fast for 40 days. Now here's a question that we have to honestly ask ourselves. Have I, have we, have I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life regularly in a tangible way? Have I heard the words of the Spirit in my heart. If not, perhaps it's time for a fast. Listen closely. When it comes to fasting in the Bible, the Bible only really speaks one language when it comes to fasting. I told you there can be a fast of many different kinds. Media, you know, all those, that whole list. When it comes to the Bible, it speaks in this language, meat and potatoes, okay? It's food food. This is what Nathan Foster had to say also about fasting. It's kind of interesting. Just in the culture that we live in. Okay, he says this. He says, think of fasting as a way to gain control over an aspect of our lives that our culture seems to have no self-control over. Food. (laughs) All right? You know, there's more money spent on dieting in our country than a number of products and plans Dieting's at the top of the list, and our country just keeps getting heavier and heavier the whole time through it, all right? Google fasting sometime if you've got a little bit of time, and you're not doing a media fast at the time. I don't want you to break it, all right? Okay? Google it, and you're going to see that physical benefits of a fast... Now, I'm not talking about spiritual. I'm talking about physical benefits of a fast are almost shocking. From mental clarity... To battling cancer. I mean, you will be fascinated if you dig into fasting. Some of the stuff they're doing in Russia right now when it comes to cancer and chemotherapy and fasting is mind-boggling. Okay? It's interesting, though, that the Bible... That's not what we're going to talk about today. The Bible does not touch on the physical when it comes to fasting. 
The Bible speaks in a spiritual way when it comes to fasting. Turn to Matthew chapter 9. There's just one passage we're going to look at today when it comes to this topic. Matthew chapter 9. We're going to look at verses 14 and 15. Let me set this up just a little bit. Matthew has just become a follower of Jesus. Matthew, the tax collector, that's a big deal for for Matthew to leave that lifestyle behind and and, and just just leave it behind, including the wealth, and, and, and follow Jesus. Well... Jesus calls him, he responds, and then, then Matthew has a big party in his home, and people, lots of people come. When you have a party in that culture, a lot of people come, and a lot of people were there, and, and there were Pharisees there, and there were disciples of John the Baptist there as well. Okay? And apparently, like I said, the Jews fasted on Mondays and Thursdays. The, the Orthodox, the very, very holy Jewish people. And this, is, this party probably took place on one of those days. And this party's going on, you know, and the disciples, not the Pharisees, the disciples of John the Baptist come to Jesus and say, look, the Pharisees are fasting, we're followers of John and we're fasting, how come you're not fasting? How come your followers aren't fasting? Let's see how Jesus responds. Verse 14, Matthew 9, then the disciples of John came to him asking, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus said to them, The attendants of the bridegroom cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them. Can they? Think about the ridiculousness of that statement for a moment. Jesus is asking a very simple rhetorical question that has an element of ridiculousness to it. How many of you have been to some weddings this year? All right? Number? We're going to one today. We've been to quite a few weddings. It's the wedding season, okay? Have you ever been to a wedding that a part of the festivities and the reception was to fast? In other words, in celebration for this marriage and this union between this man and this woman, we are going to eat and drink nothing. No cake for you. Not even the buttercream mints. Nope. It's on the fast. Buttercream mints. The manna of heaven, people. You understand? Oh, man. Good stuff. No, no, you go to a wedding reception, you celebrate, you feast, you eat. Even simple weddings, you're at least going to eat cake and buttercream mints, okay? You're going to do it. And Jesus says, the bridegroom's here. It's time for celebration. It's not time to fast. By the way, Jesus is referring to himself. Then he goes on to say, but the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them. And then they will fast. This is near the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and he's already talking about the word taken away is a violent word. He's talking about the cross here. He's already starting to paint the picture that nobody really got very well, that he was going to die. That was his purpose in being here. But he wasn't just referring to that. He's talking about, I mean, he would die, but he would rise again. But he would stay for a short period of time, and then he would ascend into heaven, awaiting the time when he would come back and bring his people home. And folks, we're in that now. The Holy Spirit is here, but Jesus is not in a physical way. He will return one day. And while he's gone, Jesus said, his followers 
would fast. How many of you, and I'm not talking about a diet here, okay? That's not what I'm referring to. How many of you here have fasted for at least a 24-hour period of time? I just want to see. Okay, leave those hands up for a moment. Okay, and I'm sorry, I know you're breaking the rules right here. Jesus said when you fast, don't, don't advertise that, but I'm asking you to, so you can lay that on my shoulders, okay? I just, I just got a question. Keep those hands up, because I got some questions for you. Why did you fast? Okay, um, if you fasted for spiritual growth, go ahead and put your hand down. Okay? If you fasted because someone or yourself was facing possible tragedy, lower your hand. If you fasted because there was a very big decision ahead and you wanted the guidance of God through the Holy Spirit, lower your hand. Okay. I'm glad to see that there are those here who have done that. I knew that there was at least one group who had done it because I know there's a, there's a ladies group that fasted a number of years ago for a particular situation going on of tragedy within someone's life. There's a lot of reasons why we do this. But there are physical reasons and then there are spiritual reasons. And everything you just mentioned was a spiritual reason. Here's another thing. Fasting isn't supposed to be done alone, I don't think. So what is the number one activity that needs to accompany a fast if you're doing the fast for spiritual reasons? Okay. Now, if you go to the Old Testament, I mean, I told you, there's some Old Testament people there that fasted. And there were usually two things that were included in a fast. Actually, three things, I guess. You can break one down two, two more times. All right. It's this. Ashes and sackcloth, okay, and prayer. Jesus changed the rules a little bit because when he talked about fasting in his Sermon on the Mount, he says, when you fast, don't put on the sackcloth and ashes, don't put the dust on your face, don't go around with this horrible expression that people will ask you, why do you look so bad? Oh, I'm fasting, I'm fasting. Jesus said, no, don't do any of that. Fix yourself up. Don't let people know. And what your father sees done in private, not a public way, even though you're in the public, he will reward. So Jesus kind of changed rules, but there's one thing Jesus did not remove from fasting, and it's this. Prayer. And I would be willing to bet, those of you, there are a number of different reasons. I can see you all. So I could see your hands going down as I mentioned the reasons. And there were a good number of you who, whose fasting probably was accompanied by prayer because you're fasting because of tragedy or a really big decision that lied ahead. And you wanted the input of God through his Holy Spirit. I have a feeling that this fasting as a spiritual discipline, and I will tell you that the majority in this room did not raise their hands. So there's a lot of us here who haven't done this regularly. My mom's cringing right now. I know it because she's thinking, my son is a type 1 diabetic. He's going to deal with fasting. And I'm going to have to ask him, have you eaten? (laughs) By the way, I've done a little research, mom, and you can maintain your blood sugar perfectly well and, and maintain a fast of a short 
period of 24 hours. I don't know about, you do some of those three-day fasts, I don't know if Don and I are going to be with you on that one, okay? That might get a little dicey for type 1 diabetics. But, fasting is something, according to our Bible, that is incredibly beneficial to our growth in Jesus Christ. Why don't we do more of it? Now, there's some of you who do it. There's some people that I know who do it, and I don't know that they do. Does that make any sense whatsoever? (laughs) They don't advertise it. They follow the instructions of Jesus. And like I said, I'm sorry, I just had some of you break that. I apologize. I put that on my shoulders. I have a feeling that this spiritual discipline's benefits come at some level through trial and error. I'm not sure that if this is something we decide to add as a part of our spiritual upbringing and our spiritual growth, that we're going to get it right, right off the bat. Okay, Especially if you are a hardy soul who says, I can do that three-day thing. Guys, I can tell you right now, I've done enough looking and reading about this, that if you are disciplined enough to do a three-day-plus fast by day three, you will hit a mental clarity that you have never experienced before in your life. But it doesn't come on day one, day two. It comes on day three. Okay? But I have a feeling that if, if, if you, if I decide to dive into this, it's going to take a little trying and maybe messing up a little bit to get it figured out. And remember, there's a lot of different kinds of fasting, but right now we're talking about food fasting. Why should we even do it? Is there anybody here convinced enough that, who knows, maybe you just need to do an El Pablito fast? I don't know. Oh, you just crossed a line, preacher. Whew. You know, I was walking this week at, um, in the nursing home. It was kind of interesting. I was walking down the aisle, and uh, it was just so funny. I'm sorry, but it was so funny. As I'm walking down the aisle, I had a milkshake. I was taking a milkshake to somebody. All right? As I'm walking down that aisle, I was going to see Jean Daugherty. I had a milkshake for her. And as I'm walking down the aisle, I mean, there's a room here. They staggered. Room, room, room. I walked past nine rooms, and every... Now, I shouldn't say every single one, because I, that, that's probably not exactly right. But the vast majority of those rooms, the same sound was coming from. It was the theme music to Blue Bloods. <laughs> And I'm just walking, and I hear the music here, and I hear the music here, I hear the music here. I was like, this is a little strange. And then it hit me. You know what one of my favorite shows has become? Blue Bloods. I'm walking through a nursing home. They're all listening and watching Blue Bloods. It's like, hmm, that's kind of interesting. I get into Jean Doherty's room, and I felt a little better because she wasn't watching Blue Bloods. I said, yeah, I thought I heard a lot of people, yeah, we love that Blue Blood show. That is such a great show. I said, well, you watch. She said, yeah, they got a whole, they're play, they got Blue Blood episodes all day on this channel. But I watched three of them in a row, so I'm taking a break right now. I'm just like, hmm, I like Blue Bloods. Went mowing this week. 
got back from vacation. Donna mowed the first time. It was my, my turn to mow. And I was out there and I had boots on, rustler jeans, t-shirt, and a Galveston straw hat. Galveston, Texas, that my wife will not let me wear in public. I didn't always used to mow like that. I used to mow with no shirt, no ball cap, because I didn't have to worry about my head sunburning. Shorts. Now, not... I wouldn't wear these shorts in public, but I wanted to get a tan, so they're a little short, you know. Not like short shorts, don't, uh-uh, okay. But they were just shorter than I would normally wear. And, and I even figured out, this was the time of going to the gym, and I even figured out that if I rode on the mower in a particular position, that there would be certain lines across my stomach that wouldn't get sun, and it would even make it like a six-pack pop out. You know what I'm saying? It's ridiculous, isn't it? It's the truth, BJ. (laughs) And now when I go to mow, if there's any exposed skin on my body whatsoever, it gets slathered with 50 power sunscreen. And those of you who have seen me in shorts understand they do not see the sun anymore on a regular basis. If I was to ask a young person why I'm doing these things now, I'm watching Blue Bloods on a regular basis. I run from the sun instead of running to the sun. They would say, you're getting old. Now, the other thing is if I asked an older, seasoned person why I'm doing this, they would say, you're getting smart. Maturing. That's what we call it, isn't it? Maturing. I mean, we use different terms sometimes. We say getting older, but we like maturing. And I got to be honest with you. I'm starting to get old enough now. I've matured enough in a physical way to come to the position of not being sure I like everything about maturing physically in this world. It's like you can get to a certain point. Why can't you just hit the pause button? You know what I mean? But there is another realm, another realm that is not the physical realm. And in that realm, everything about maturing is positive. And it's the spiritual realm. Do we want to mature spiritually? Do we want to grow up in the Lord? Do we want to look more like Jesus Christ in a world that has less of Jesus in it every day, then I think we probably ought to be taking the advice of Jesus. And it might just be possible that we need to add a little bit of fasting to our spiritual regime and routine. There are those that I know who fast regularly. I mean, on a weekly basis. 
There are many who fast that I don't know, fast regularly that I don't know because I've already told you they don't advertise it. But those that I do know who do this regularly, I can tell you something right now. They're growing in Jesus Christ. You see, the thing about it is this. If we are to take the word of God and if we are to believe it, do we believe what it's saying? If we do, this is what it says. Physical fasting equals spiritual feasting. We understand that. Physical fasting equals spiritual feasting. Folks, you set that screen and put it away for a week. Your family might get a little irritable. But in the end, it's going to benefit you. And folks, when it comes to the food thing, Scripture is very clear. There are benefits to fasting. Got a big decision coming up? Got a big trial that you are facing? Is there something you're right in the middle of and you don't know how you got there and you want to figure it out? Maybe there's a big time coming in the life of your child. Maybe it's your child who has a big decision coming. And you need to fast for him or her. Maybe you simply desire a closeness with your God and his Holy Spirit. Let's fast and see what happens. Folks, this is the first time in 16 years of being here at Deering that I've preached a sermon. A complete sermon. We've touched on it, but a complete sermon on fasting. And I am humbly sorry for that. Because this is something that can help us as followers of Jesus Christ. And this is something that can help us as a church. I fully believe that. Just stand with us, please. Let's have a word of prayer. Folks, if you have any questions about this, what this might look like. If, if you've never even really thought about fasting from something, whether it be food or whether it be, you know, movies, books, I don't, I don't know, work. Maybe you need a vacation. And some people do need a vacation. They do for the sake of them and their family. But if, if, if you've got some questions about it and you don't really know what to do with it, I'll try to help you with that. I'm right in the middle of it as well. I haven't fasted for a 24-hour period in 20 years. I was in college when I did it last. And that's something that's got to change for me. Okay?
we'll work through it together. JB will be right in the middle of it with us. He's going through the spiritual disciplines thing as well. We've been studying a lot. We're going to continue to study it. The elders as well. Maybe there's a time that the elders, ministers, need to fast for this church. Maybe that needs to happen. But if you've got any questions about it, the Lord is pulling you towards this. Pursue it. That looks like speaking to us today about it. Fine. If that looks digging into it some yourself, good. But if the Lord's pushing you towards it, don't ignore it. Because he's doing it for a reason. And it might unlock something in you. That's amazing.